Siblings in Christ, peace and abundance be with you from Jesus, who takes what we have and makes it a lot and ministers to the world. Amen. I have been on a bunch of lakes this summer. Anybody else been on a lake or near a lake this summer? Some of you. I, social media says you have, so I know that some of you have, right? I'm not the only one. I've been on North Center and South Center, Rush and Whitefish, Horseshoe, and a few more aspirations to be on yet more before the summer is out. It's a gift of living where we do, right? And a privilege to have access to waters. My family and I have spent time swimming and fishing and playing and boating. And watching my kids reminds me that we kind of have, as humans, I think, a basic fascination with water and its motion, with ripples and waves. Whether it's trying to paddleboard through the waves caused by some vigorous speedboat pulling tubers too close to shore, you know who you are if that's you. Or maybe simply watching a watery surface go from calm to chaotic when it starts to rain. Water's ability to carry and spread energy and let us see it in action is kind of enchanting, I think. And we use that language in other places in our lives. We use terms like making waves or ripple effect in non-watery circumstances to describe the continued impact of some actions. Water doesn't only carry physical interaction with it in water and ripples and waves, it also carries sound over it. Some physicist in the room is probably going, well, that's not technically how it works, but darn it, Jim, I'm a pastor and not a scientist, so just work with me here. But like on the 4th of July, when say it's 11 p.m. or midnight or 1 a.m., and ACDC and Metallica are flailing across the lake loudly and clearly, you know who you are if that's you as well some patriotic rock or something is on blast. It's pretty obvious that water carries, but I think it's even more obvious when everything is quiet, how some sounds can move across the calm. This is not a lake I was on this summer, but I was on this a few years ago. It's in Germany. It's Lake Obertsee. My dad, who's a pastor, was on sabbatical, and we stood on this spot and watched. And you can hear from a one and a quarter kilometers clear across from this side to that tiny green patch you can see, you can hear very clearly the sounds of cows mooing and their bells ringing through the waters, through that valley. Jesus starts today on a boat. Our gospel story skips the reason for it. Whenever you read a gospel or hear it on Sunday and it does something like this, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew. The reason for this today, if you go back a little bit in the story, is that he just found out that King Herod has killed, has beheaded John the Baptist, his cousin. Jesus has just lost a family member, his first committed disciple and the one who did his own baptism. So Jesus is grieving when the story starts today, so he goes away. If you want to be alone, a boat is a good place to get away from people, especially people in an arid climate who probably didn't swim much and who found water scary. But the downside of being in a boat is that everyone can see you, and you can also hear everyone from the shore. And when you're Jesus, you're awfully compassionate, turns out, and you need to go to those people. And so Jesus does. He cures their sick. He stays with them all day. And the day gets late and they get hungry. Now, when people go too long without eating, some people have a tendency of getting hangry. Does anybody get the hangries at your house? I surely don't, but everybody else in my family certainly seems to. I'm sure I never do. 
people get hungry. Now, in every family system I've ever been a part of, there's the one person who's always checking in with everybody else to see if they're hungry and then is trying to feed everybody, right? Do you have that person in your families? The one you get there five minutes after you arrive and it's, are you hungry? Have you eaten today? That was my grandmother and now my mother does this. Every family system seems to have that. In Kristen's family, it's her mom. On the other hand, every family system always seems to have that one person who is deeply concerned about when and where their next meal is going to come from. Right? Do you have that person? Patchy's <laughs> laughing in front. Right? When are we going to eat? It's 12.05, you just had lunch, and like, what time are we having supper? Like, you're going to be fine. Right? That's my brother, I think, in our family, and maybe Kristen's dad and hers. These people exist, and they surely exist among the disciples. I don't know who they are among Jesus' friends and disciples, but there's always that person. At some point on this day, they figure out that there's a lot of people it's late, and there is a stark lack of dining options. And they tell Jesus he's got to send everyone away to buy food for themselves. And who knows if they had the money for this or not. The vast majority of these people live hand to mouth. They're poor. They don't know what it's like to be full, probably. They don't know abundance, certainly. But Jesus says they don't have to go. You give them something to eat. Now, this story happens in all four Gospels, and depending on which account you read, the five loaves and two fish that are in all of the Gospels, they come from a different place. They appear somewhere different. In one story, it seems like the disciples find them in and amongst the crowd. In another story, a little boy brings them to Jesus. That's the children's Bible version that we just read. But here in Matthew, it would appear that the five loaves and two fish come from the disciples themselves. And when Jesus says, you give them something to eat, if you play this out like a sitcom, right, the one disciple who's always trying to feed everybody says, oh, we've got five loaves and two fish here. And the other disciple who's always concerned where his next meal is coming from is elbowing that guy saying, that's our food. But it's too late. Jesus says, bring them to me, and everyone is fed. And unlike a lot of parables that Jesus tells where he explains or debriefs the disciples, there's no follow-up here, right? That's just kind of quiet. But everyone is fed, and there are 12 baskets of bits of leftovers. Now, there are a few layers in the story that I think Matthew wants us to know or pick up on, right? In Matthew's gospel, Jesus looks a lot like Moses from the book of Exodus, right? Who led people from slavery into Egypt to the promised land and teaching them along the way. Jesus looks like that in Matthew's gospel. The crowds at the feeding of the 5,000 arrived on foot in a deserted place, which is supposed to remind us of God providing in the desert wilderness of Exodus. That's looking backwards. And then looking forwards, Jesus is also saying things about bread that he's going to say again at a table. He takes bread, he breaks it, and gives it to his disciples and tells them something about it. That's a meal that'll happen just a little bit in this worship service that we're going to remember. But I think the question for us today, here and now, is what do we do with this story? What does this mean for us now? Because it's about more than a rye bread replication or a miraculous mitosis of loaves and fishes. It's not about the mechanics or the miracle necessarily. But maybe it is about the method. Because when looking around at the needs of the people, Jesus essentially asks them, well, what do you already have? And the disciples' reaction is to reemphasize the stark lack, the scarcity of resources. They say, we have nothing, 
well, nothing but five loaves, two fish. That's it. But then Jesus says, bring them to me. And from that little bit ripples out waves of abundance. I think this is more than an inspirational story about an inaccessible miracle. I think it's more than about the power of human goodness or the ripples of good deeds spreading outward. I think it is about the strangely but persistently and sometimes invasively advancing kingdom of heaven. Jesus just talked about it in the gospel as if it were a mustard seed, right? This tiny little seed that grows into a huge shrub. And guess what? That thing is a weed. It's gigantic. It breaks and shakes seeds everywhere to the ire of farmers and gardeners. And furthermore, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's tiny, invisible, and inseparable from flour when they're together, but it multiplies and grows and dramatically transforms its surroundings. They both ripple out in waves. And whatever happens in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 here, Jesus is at the center of it, and Jesus is at the center of the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus is at the center of things happening here in his church too. I think we can see that when we look. When we look around as a people and say, here are the problems. For grieving people who have lost loved ones is a need here. At Farmington Lutheran, we're in a spot where we need more, young, more adult help with youth programs and children's programs. We need some volunteers. And so we're asking these questions because I think Jesus asked this of us today, what do you already have? Try bringing that. Well, when we were thinking about food security a little more than a year ago, we decided to answer by saying, well, we have these bags. We could print something on here. And then you brought them home and then brought them back for food on the 4th. And we've collected over 10,000 10, pounds, five tons of food. And more of you have brought your time to help collect and distribute that. When we're wondering about the limits of our staff to connect and bring communion to everyone, we've said, well, we have these communion kits here, and we've got communion services written, and some of you have brought yourselves to bring communion to those who need it as an extension of this railing and this table up here. When our community has grieved this summer, you may have said, well, I don't have much. I don't know what I can say. I've got nothing in the midst of grief. But I can set up some stuff. I can bake. I could host a luncheon. And you have for a tragic number of funerals this spring and summer, both big and small. And while we're looking at fall programming for Sunday school and Wednesday school and youth programs here, the number of kids and youth in our ministries at Farmington Lutheran are the envy of many, most congregations. But we need more help. We need confirmation small group leaders and mentors and Sunday school teachers. We need people to tell and read stories to our kids and our young people. And so we ask ourselves, what do we have here already? And I think that's you. <laughs> we want to bring you. So we're inviting you to ask yourselves, what do you already have? And in terms of those ministries, you might think like the disciples, I got nothing or I don't have all the answers, or I don't know my Bible really well. I don't know all of those stories in it. I'm not really great at talking with young people. I've got nothing, I guess, but my story, maybe a little bit of time, and maybe some sense that the Jesus and the God that raises him from the dead matters. If that's you, or if any of these things are you, yeah, bring that. Bring your presence. If you're doing youth or children's ministry, maybe bring snacks too. 
Because Jesus is in the habit of taking what we have and what we bring and working with it and multiplying it and magnifying it and amplifying it. If your answer to any of these is, I have nothing but a little something, we need that. Bring that. We're going to talk about these connection cards. I've lost mine up here. Oh, here it is. We're going to talk about these in the back of the pews in front of you. If there's a way that you think you might have something that you can bring, tell us about it. We will find a way of connecting you with these ministries here. And once you do, once you bring it, and once we meet with you, just watch what Jesus does with it. Ripples and waves, renegade mustard seeds and runaway yeast. Jesus does a lot with the little, and usually no one sees it coming. Just like in the very beginning in Genesis when all we had was nothing but a formless void and God's creative spirit blew over the waters of creation and brought forth life and light, the Holy Spirit isn't done yet, making ripples and waves all over the world that God loves. And you and me, daily washed in the waters of baptism and fed and nourished at these tables by the bits of bread Jesus provides of himself, we get to be part of ushering in the kingdom of God that abundantly feeds people daily bread of food and compassion and comfort and God's amazing love. What do you already have, people? Bring that. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.